0: Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to have you here because I have one of the most phenomenal women. She is so multi talented. She is almost like she is two different people. I have the amazing Kat Lacoey. She is also known as Vixen DeVille and by her stage name, she is an accomplished multi-talented international variety burlesque performer and live event host. She specializes in fire eating, glass walking. Yes, she even got me to do it aerial hoop and magic in addition to multiple appearances on tv's masters of illusion her stage show vixen deville revealed was awarded winner of the best international show winner of the soaring solo artist and the winner of the encore producers award and nominated as best cabaret and variety show holy smokes and yes it was that phenomenal it is that phenomenal. She's bringing it back to L.A., Oh, my goodness. In addition to performing for audiences, Vixen also teaches her craft, both privately, one-on-one, and in supportive group workshop environments. I have been lucky enough to do body confidence workshops with this woman. She is a one-stop shop for anyone interested in the world of burlesque, with classes ranging from introduction to burlesque and body confidence to full solo act development. So, if you're looking to take a show on the road, this is the girl to help you as well as supplementary classes covering costume crafting and a range of speciality performance skills including fire performance she will she can teach you how to eat fire Ariel and more oh my goodness Kat <laughs> or Vixen I mean I can know you as Kat but welcome to the show <laughs> <laughs> it's so
1: funny hearing all this stuff like like oh oh that's oh that's me okay yeah um I have a thing in the show where I have a picture behind me and it's like I talks about how y- you can so disconnect from oh that's that's me I like I look at that picture like I want to be her like oh but it but it is me and it still takes a while for me to kind of go um yeah yes I, I do all these things and yes it's a good thing and yes I'm not arrogant for admitting that and claiming that and saying it
0: um I love that you said that because you are not the only go- uh, guest I've had on who is like you never really know yourself and you're like place of owning all that you've accomplished in this world until you hear your biography read back to you yeah and
1: just to be like more arrogant uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well
1: i the show just one one um Best Out of Town in Tucson Fringe. And of course my mom was like, was it the only, was it the only out of town show? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then- Thanks uh, mom. Yeah, thanks mom. Uh, and then uh, the Valley, um, Valley Theater Awards nominated it, uh, it won uh, Best One Person Performance from its run at the White Fire Theater from part of the solo best. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I'm like, oh, okay. And even now when I'm re-rehearsing it and rewriting it, I'm like. Is it, is it good? Is this is this terrible? Is this a really like I'm <laughs> like,
0: cat, come on. Like I love that because I I mean, first of all, I have to honor your vulnerability of like speaking about the creative process because we all have those those doubts, no matter how successful, no matter how many awards you've won. Like we all still go through those doubts as in the creative journey. So can you tell me about the creative journey for what inspired Vixen DeVille Revealed because I have to say, I mean, it like I'm for anyone go in LA, go see the show because it made me ball like a freaking baby. And it was such a powerful, beautiful show. Well done. And it wasn't just because you made me walk on glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't crying because of that.
1: I think people have, have said to me, i mean i i would say it's been like almost a four-year creation of the show and letting it marinate and and that whole thing about um i don't remember which sculpturer sculpturer it was but there's this famous marble sculpture and he sits looking at this marble block every day and the guy who hired him to make the sculpture is like what are you doing he goes i'm working and the what are you doing i'm working and every day he just sits there looking at it and then one day just does it and it's because it takes that sort of sitting and thinking and planning and before you actually actually do something. And so I've had people go, oh, you do all these things and you host your show and you do it. Why haven't you done a solo show yet? Or why haven't you got your own show yet? And I guess the answer was at the time that I didn't want to just do another variety show. Like what is the point? You know, and I say this with magic illusions, like anyone can do a magic illusion you can buy off the internet, but it's the banter and pattern way that you present it that makes it amazing. And so I hit upon this idea like maybe two and a half years ago that um, I wanted it to be more about if I can do it, anybody can do it. And that the room of the theater would be like the space that you enter. And that once you enter that space, like I- I'm taking you on this journey where anything is possible and to really explore, like, like maybe I would show that you can walk on Broken Glass and then I'd hire some acrobats to like do handstands on Broken Glass. Also, like if it would, be a, it would be like a, you can do this, but this is how far you can take it sort of show. And at the time it was still like, oh, I'll do a variety show with other performers in it. And then it just got to the point where I was like, I've done that so many times in my life. Like when I was producing theater, it was always ensemble theater and it was the group of the theater. And it was never, and I had a, a careers advisor who's like, why are you not, why, are you, why do you feel like you need the group around you because it's almost like you're not putting yourself forefront because that's scary. So mm-hmm. it's safe to do, I'm gonna do a group show. I'm gonna maybe host it, but have other people, do it. but doing a solo show is like, fuck, that's, that's putting yourself out there, you know? And it does come from being in a show and audience coming up and going, oh my God, you're so great. And you're so brave and you're so funny and you're so this. And it's like, I wasn't born like that. Like I was not funny and happy and, and, and confident at school So if I can do this, you can too. And I hate the idea that I sat in an audience watching a burlesque show thinking, I want to do this, but I know that I can never do that. And if people are coming up to me and going, I want what you've got on stage. I want to be like you are. You can. And so this show is very much going, I'm nothing. Like I'm special. I want to acknowledge that I'm special, but I'm nothing special. Like everybody is. Everybody is fucking special.
0: I think that's a beautiful paradox of life. Like we all are, we all are special. We all come to this world with amazing gifts and unique talents. And at the same time, we all, it because it's humanly possible for one, it means it's possible for anyone.
1: And it's untapping it. It's going, okay, you might not feel it right now, but it's there living inside you. And someone once said to me about moving to LA, like how, how have you changed? And it's not that I changed. I've said this before in an interview that like I, it's taking a plant out of, out of like, you know, a heart, a cold, dark, none, you know, new nutrients, whatever. And it's shriveling. It's whatever. You put that out in the sun and you feed it and you water it. And it becomes this beautiful plant. It always had the potential of being that plant, but it wasn't quite there yet. And I think that's the thing. You have to give yourself the permission to be all these things and do all these things. And you have to be in the right environment and you have to, um, you know let uh, untap it you have to tap into what's going on there and let it out really
0: so was it coming to la that really brought you out of a more introverted shell uh, or what was it that what was the journey to you being the confident woman that can show up and strip on stage like i mean that takes guts
1: i think it's it's a it's a definitely a journey that started in in london and i was a, a exposed to it all in, <laughs> exposed, I was exposed to it all in London and I was working on it in London. Um, you'll see in the show, I sort of talk about my gradual entrance into burlesque and how it's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, maybe I'll show a bit of this and show a bit of this. And da-da-da. and I was never like pressure, like you have to go into pasties. Um, definitely coming to LA made me take more risks because it was like, I was on a three-year visa and I could only do acting and performance on my visa. So it was like, Fuck it, I got three years, I need to hustle. Like I need to just, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna apply for that job I'm, I'm probably not a hugely qualified for and um, yeah, I'm gonna do, oh, there's a show happening in a, in a, I in, I don't know, whatever, oh yeah, I'll do, like I was, I think in London it was like, I wasn't taking risks as much because I could lose it. Like at my, not my having reputation, but what I built up already could have been lost. When I came here, I mm. had no reputation, no one knew who I was. Um, I had to just go out there and prove myself and be like, yeah, I'll sign up for all the shows, I'll audition for all the different things. And something might be amazing and well-paid or something might be tiny in the back alley room, but then someone sees you in the back alley room, and goes, oh, I've got this other gig over here. And it's like, oh, okay, great. And even you don't think you can do some People come up to me and hire me for certain things. I'm like, I don't really do that, but yeah, let's give it a go, you know? And um, I think that made me more ballsy is just the fact that I was, I, I put myself in the environment where I'm in the shit because no one knows me. No, I, I don't have the reputation. I don't, I don't know anybody else. And you just have to go and go, right,
0: i to do this thing, you know? And so you do whatever it takes until it takes. And obviously it took because of the success that you've had so far. So what, um, <clears throat> and for those of you who noticed that my voice is a little <coughs> lower, um i am getting over laryngitis but i could not not have cat on the podcast because her show is coming to la this weekend and we are so blessed to have her so what inspired the the journey that of the revelation in essence of of the show and and why did you choose to to start it where you did
1: so um, you mean the progression of the show? Mm-hmm. It was very much like the opening of the show is this is Vixen, let's put her on a pedestal and make her superhuman and untouchable and unreachable and something we all aspire to be. And the show is gradually going, uh, 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 and it's peeling back the layers. Oh, like a burlesque act, uh uh-huh. um, To go, actually, this is who she really is underneath. And everything else was just, the, like it, it's, going, it's putting her right on the pedestal so anyone who doesn't know who me who I am or see me perform can go, oh, she's she's special, and I and I come on stage be like, nah, like this this is it, this is I'm just a human being, like, okay. and then I go, oh, the fire that you just saw me do, yeah, I'm gonna teach you how to eat fire. Oh, the glass walking I just did, I'm gonna teach you how to glass walk. It's not, I'm not special. I just went out and did it and let myself do it, and then um, yeah, and then it, it goes it it goes into sort of like the oh yeah, well anything's possible, and then for the naysayers who go well what about when you have a setback or you get injured or your house burns down so I then include a setback that I had um and how yeah it's it's crazy and it it is a setback um but how that then shaped my life because that setback then took me from this direction to this direction and how it's it's a very cliched quote but it's not what happens to you it's your reaction to those events that that
0: amen Amen. I think what I mean, what what really got me and what always gets me is when people pull out that that visceral, not today ego, like not today limiting beliefs, and they tap into that, that source, that higher power, that whatever you want to call it, and they live into it like you did in the show and like you did to overcome The setbacks that you experience. So, can you talk about how you deal now with other people putting their own limitations on you?
1: Um, I found myself becoming very not bitchy, but just you know, when you do an improvisation. Have you done Groundlings or UCB? Yeah. Yep. They're just like. If someone puts a quality on you, you just take it and run with it because the more you run with it, the funnier it is. So if you go to your character, "Oh God, Dad, you're such an alcoholic," they go, "Yeah, I am. Going to drink another beer. Hey, there it is." Um, I found myself like if I if I'm creating some costume and the room is a mess and someone comes in and says, "Oh my God, you're so messy," I go, "Yeah, I am messy. Um, it's going to be like this for a couple of days. Like that's just that's yes, exactly. Yes, it is messy. Yes, I am a messy person. Uh huh." And so. I feel like when people are very much like, I mean, it's not really a limiting belief. It's more of a, of a put down. Um, yes, actually, I had somebody say to me, um, I couldn't get my show taped because, um, like, who are you? You're not this famous name, or blah, 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 blah. and and of course it went, it got to me, and it of course it made me go, oh shit! This one person doesn't. But I also thought, do I even like this person? Do I even rep- do I even Respect their choices. They just created this project that I was like, oh, really, that's you know. And so, why am I taking advice from someone who I don't even respect right no. now, or I don't even? So, and that oh, I bet you, any time you get a limiting belief comment or a judgment from somebody, just decide whether you even like that person, because why are you? T- why are you taking the naysaying comments from the person that you don't even like or respect? Mm-hmm. So I then went to somebody else. So I thought actually. I knew someone else who works in that field and I pitched them the idea and they're like, yeah, absolutely, and now we're gonna be taping the show. So it's like, I could have easily gone, oh, he's in a position of power and he knows better than me and oh, okay, moo. Um, But I was like, no, I wanna get it taped. It's got awards and stuff in this little small fish pond, so why can't I go to a bigger fish pond? Um, And it's just just saying, it's just saying this has to happen, you know? when something happens to you, when your car breaks down or your baby is sick or whatever, you have to get that baby to the doctors. You have to get that car fixed. You don't go, oh, maybe I'll just do it tomorrow. So I was like, no, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this show for, physically and mentally and emotionally. I don't know how long i will be able to do it for. I need to get this taped. I need to have it so that people can watch it without me doing it. Um, I need to get it done this month. I need to get it done by September. So, um, yeah, you have to kind of put, put a limit on yourself and go, I... don't
0: care what you say because i need to get this done Mm -hmm. i love that because there's there's such an aspect of resiliency of of and and being unapologetic about what you want about truly aligning and saying this is what i want this is what i'm going for i'm gonna show it's not i'm gonna show you but it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna do it this way and the way that i want to and that's something that i so have always respected about you cat so much
1: oh thank you it is it is difficult i mean it's just even i was taking posters down to flyers to businesses down the street from outside the theater and i'm like why is it terrifying for me to go into a space and go hey can i leave some flyers it's like why is that so because i just hate being the annoying person hi i'm producing the show can I, but, but like but some of them are like oh this is exciting yeah i'll come totally come and see it but still like it's it's a practice it's a you know like yoga practice not yoga perfect it's like every day i'm i'm practicing this skill of being able to just go out and do the things and it's it yeah um i have an acting coach she's like it's, it's not that it gets easy you just get braver Mm-hmm. I myself a but you just gonna do this It's just gonna
0: have to do it. Do it. I love I love that quote that your acting coach said because that's so true. I mean, even because you and I have both a very similar background and I was so shy, I didn't speak in kindergarten for six months. Like my teacher thought I should be put in special classes because uh because I just didn't speak. I was so painfully shy. And obviously, I've overcome that a bit uh, with, with bravery. But at the same time, I tell my clients, I still, when reaching out to uh, speaking gigs or just DMing new people on Instagram, I still have that momentary, like, gut feeling of like, oh, this is a little scary. And it's so, it seems so silly now, but it's doing those daily acts of courage are what really build that muscle. And it's a compound effect.
1: And you have to really withdraw yourself from it because you're going to get responses yes and no. Oh, wait, all the time you get responses. And when I was trying to get my, when I was getting my green card, um, I had to get, um, recommendations from people I've worked with and I feel terrible from bashing into someone's day and going hey can you write me a glowing recommendation about how amazing I am as a person like maybe two pages long um and can you sit down and do that for two hours of your life and 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 for no reward at all and I sent these all out to people because I had to I had a date like I was gonna be kicked out of the country so it was quite high stakes um and some people were like oh my gosh thank you so much I am so honored that you think of me for this I, I would be absolutely uh, admit, like uh, um, honored to write this for you. And some people were like, oh my God, Kat, who do you think you are? Like, how, how much audacity do you have? That you think I would write this letter? Like seriously, like offended that I'd ask them to write the letter. And I had to just be like, well, I need 10. So I'm just gonna have to ask another five people. And it was it was just crazy, the difference in it. And like on my Instagram, um, whenever anybody sort of like takes interest in my classes, I'll reach out and go, hey, are you just in classes? And some people are like, oh my gosh, thank you, I was just thinking that. Oh my, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. And some people are like, oh my God, no, how dare you. And I take such like, I'm really hurt by the people who responded and brought you, right? Like just say, oh no, it's fine. I was just browsing at your Instagram. Just say that. Don't be like, how dare you? Like real offended that I'm trying <laughs> to in their lives. And I have to just be like, if I was working for someone else, my job was all falling. Or flyering for someone. We I mean, I've done a bunch of that. You know, in my modeling days, you know, you're not emotionally attached to whether the person says yes or not. You're just doing your job. Mm-hmm. And really, you have to just kind of separate yourself from um, the in the moment rejection to the big grand scheme of I want to achieve these five yeses or whatever. It
0: is. I think that is such a poignant point, and it's a question that I I commonly ask my clients who are starting up their businesses of if you were an employee of your company, would you fire yourself? Because a lot of times when you're just starting out in in your business, sometimes, and if you have the safety of having another job that's providing that income, it's not really a necessity that your business succeeds. And so what I found is that they don't, put themselves out as much with as much audacity because of that feeling of attachment to the yes or the no, when really the yes or the no is it's just a projection of that other person's stuff, whether they say yes or no, or get all up, up, get their panties up in a bundle. But I love the fact that you, you brought that to, uh, you brought up that point that, you know, if you don't have that attachment to the job, if then it's just a job and like a no is like a no, okay, next. But when you have that personal connection as an entrepreneur and it's like your creative thing saying no to you as a person, you know? It's like, yeah, you you end up taking it personally, and yet that's not the case. It's just it's just you kind of have to put on that identity that this is also just part of the job.
1: It was selling um I was I took a, a film to the um AFI, AFI? AFM yeah AFM uh, a couple of years ago and it was so so much easier to pitch a film I hadn't written I wasn't directing I was I was going to be in it but like a, a smaller role and it was great because then when they said oh I'm, I'm like yeah totally gotcha and moved on to the next one because I was like well I've got to see 20 people today and it was like and the guy who wrote it was on the phone like what'd they say what's this well oh, oh, I didn't like it I'm like just leave me alone <laughs> I will get this to the right people um and it was so much more refreshing to be trying to pitch and sell a project that wasn't my heart and soul um and yeah because they are sort of saying no to you but it's the same thing I was like it's like with any coaching thing you pitching your product is almost like a comment on that person by saying you're flawed in some way and you need my, my services hmm um, and so it's very difficult to second guess, you know, if you're selling skin cream, you don't want to go up and say, Hey, do you want my skin cream? Cause you're going, well, you're saying that I look old and wrinkly like, <laughs> difficult to like, hi, would you like some life coaching? What are you saying? Am I flawed? And, yep. You know, it's difficult to sort of reach out in those, in those realms. Hey, do you need body confidence? Like, what yeah. <laughs> and then and I wouldn't, and when you second guess who you approach, you lose, you lose the people who need your services, because um, I could second guess that Some people who don't want to, don't want to do this, or that they're competent enough already, or you know they're already doing the less. But then I, I people approach me and be like, oh, I'm actually thinking about taking your classes. So I want to like improve what I'm doing, or actually, you know, I've, I've only ever done singing, and I want to, I want to now work into the less world. And I would never have thought that they'd even. I would have thought if I'd offered my services, be like screw you, I already do that. Like wow, whatever, who do you think I am? Um, so you have to, when the nose comes to you, you, go, well, how dare you? I'm so offended you offered it to me. It's like, well, you know what? I don't know. I feel messaging me and going, no, I don't want burlesque classes. I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a guy. I'm like, there's boyless. I have some guys like, oh my God, yes. I didn't know if I could do that. But I was really wanting to ask, but didn't know if I could. So for all the men who are offended that I offer them burlesque classes, it's worth it to be able to reach that one who want to do it and didn't know that they could.
0: Mm-hmm. And I... I think that brings up such an important point of selling, of as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, um, my personal perception on selling is that it's of service because when you can be of service to that one person, then accidentally and unintentionally bruising somebody else's ego that they're dealing with and their own perceptions that they have their own stuff as, as we all do. But when you can reach that one person, the shift that you can make in that person's life, whether you're selling skin cream or coaching or uh, foot baths or, you know, burlesque classes or whatever. But when you can change that person's life, that's actually where selling shifts into being of service and of massive service because the value of transformation is, is priceless.
1: And that's the thing is, uh, so many business team, marketing people are like, oh, I, I want to go into business. What should I do? It's like, I've never, I never went, hmm, I need a way to make money. I'm going to sell burlesque courses. But if I wanted to make money, I'd have become a lawyer or whatever. I, you know what I mean? I, you know, yeah. I wasn't stupid as a kid. So <laughs> um, I, I don't do my burlesque classes to make money. I'm doing them because I, when I see someone who is so lit up by the idea of it, but the fear that they're never gonna do it and I take them into that intro class and they're like, This is fun. I feel amazing. What what is this one person in my class was literally in the middle of it was like, Oh my god, I'm having fun and I'm like, I know, exactly, isn't it great? And um, I wanna get I wanna have more of that feeling for that person. I am I am excited and I get off on that fact of passing that on to someone going, I know, fly, be free And I don't have kids and I consider that those those students are my children. When they go up and perform, I'm like, ah, I'm like my little baby's all grown up. And I just, if I could, if I was given a billion dollars and going go off and retire, I'd be like, oh, I miss my children. Um, yeah,
0: <laughs> I'd be bored. <laughs> what? I'd be bored. No, right? I'm just yeah. Saying. If I was told like, I will pay you, but don't, but don't be of service to other people. Don't, don't do the work. Don't do, don't provide the creative outlets, I'd be like, Oh no, thank you. <laughs> like, No, 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 no.
1: Sit on a beach and drink pina coladas and don't do anything all day. I'm like, no, that's be, not, this is not exciting at
0: all. I know. I'd be bored after a day. <laughs> so, so what is it about burlesque that, that brings out that confidence? How do you, how did you find that burlesque really taps in on a different level than some, than just like learning how to eat well? You know, because sometimes that change can happen on that physical level from feel, from treating your body better. But what what added thing does burlesque add to it?
1: Because you're fully putting everything that is you out there, and it's not um, as an actor as a model. You're very much doing other people's work. You're you're doing the someone else. I mean, you're you're bringing yourself to the script and all that stuff. But essentially, it's someone else's script. Someone else is editing it. Someone else is directing it. As a model, you're in someone else's photo shoot. You've been, it's been styled by somebody else. And you're basically just this like prop. You're a moving prop for burlesque. Um, and people come and say, oh, can you give me the car? choreography? I'm like, no, no, we create this together. Like you are picking your music. You are picking the costume that you want to wear. You're picking the concept that you want to have. Are you... Are you Rather, are you turning into a werewolf or are you gliding down a, scare, a stairway looking like Marilyn Monroe? So how do you want to uh, start with the question? How do you want to feel on stage? Do you want to feel vengeful? Do you want to feel powerful? Do you want to feel cutesy? Do you want to feel like everything's just not a problem and just you can make a big mess or something? So how do you want to feel on stage? So it's fulfilling that area that you don't have in your, in your current life. You don't feel like you're powerful. You don't feel like you can make a mess. You don't feel like you can just be cutesy and fun because you're constantly trying to be in control of things. It gives you that arena to experience that feeling that you don't have, that outlet that, that you don't have. Picking clothes that you don't get to wear every day. So if you do have a baby and you need to be thrown up on all day, let's that's, that's make you very expensive. Or if you're kind of in a business suit every day and you feel quite restricted, let's put something flowy and, and, and floaty. Uh, if, if you're very conservative, let's put you in, you know, I don't know, some gothic stuff, like what, whatever it is that you don't get to do in your day-to-day life because of society and your job and your the job that you have for for your every day. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so you're you're going out on stage, and you're not just going here I am, and also the strip here I am, but you're going this is all my opinions and my taste in music and my sense of humor and what I think is true and my opinion. Um, uh, there's a beautiful act though uh, uh Lola Leminx does where she's best seen after trump piñata. You can go on stage and have a political view about something and have a voice. And so that's why I feel like it's so healing in that and so freeing and so fun, because once you come off stage, it's like, oh that was my act. Like I can now go back to the same version of myself.
0: <laughs> For those
1: three, four minutes, you unleash. Uh, you know, you're opening the Pandora's box that is you and, in, and and allowing the audience to witness that for a second. But then after the act, is contained with that. You can go back to your non-superhero version of yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or you go back as an enhanced superhero version, taking that piece that you left on stage and just taking a bit of her with you.
1: Yeah. It's like when you... Um, when you warm up your voice to sing, and you do all these vocal warm ups, mm-hmm. and then you're left with a freer, more open voice. Same way, like you're going boom, here I am on stage, and then you walk up stage, and you're a little bit more open, a little bit more you know, free, a little bit more um, willing to say the thing. And that, I think, for me, hosting specifically on stage with a microphone, you can say anything. And I would say something like in, in the stream of Vixen and go, oh my God, did I just say that? But then people would laugh. Oh my God, I am allowed to say this. Wow. So now when I would go to like a party or an interview or whatever, I'd have the instinct to say a thing that maybe was a bit funny or maybe a bit out of sort. And I'd just be like, well, I'll say it. And then if the person across the table laughs, great, we're on the same wavelength. And the person across the table doesn't laugh, okay, maybe I don't want to work here. Um, and being more honest about who you are and what you like and the opinions that you have Means that you're going to find the right people. You're not pretending, 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 and then finding the right person who likes the pretended version, pretendy version of yourself.
0: Pretendy, as I call uh, the representative of who you actually are.
1: Yeah. Like if you go, oh, oh, everyone in the room is a vegan. I'm going to have to be a vegan too. And then you meet a guy and you really like them and you hang out. Well, now we have to pretend to be a vegan for the rest of your life. That is miserable. Pretending to be a person that you're not. Not the veganism. Just you know. Pret- <laughs> Other way around oh everyone here is a meat eater I can't admit that I'm a vegan because they'll think I'm one of these crazy healthy people um so then you have to pretend to eat meat that would be miserable do you know what I mean like don't try it I would say another like the, the more that you are honest with who you are you're going to be happier because you never have to put that facade on as much we're going to have to I put on a facade when I you know <laughs> go to the courthouse I don't know when
0: you <laughs> Hopefully you're not going to the courthouse that often. But I I, I love that because it's the concept of identity. And it's like for me as to why, like when I created Crown Yourself, it was to embrace the holistic side of you so that you show. And this was something that for, for my own journey, I was very, very skilled at segmenting parts of my life into different Businesses for my Pilates business, I would show up as a fitness, even though I would wear heels for when I taught. But like I would still show up, um, and, and for for my my e-commerce business, I would show up more professional. But I never felt holistic where it all was aligned. Like I could show up in every case, maybe I'd turn down the nozzle, but there were definitely for certain scenarios out of respect for the other person. But at the same time, it wouldn't be completely curtailing the authenticity. And that's why I created crown yourself to basically unleash how you show up for your life to be in alignment with everything. So that you, when people see you on the street, that's no different than how you are in, at home.
1: And I, I, I was saying, I, I released an article, uh, I think like a year ago about, um, entitled <laughs> why, why I exposed myself to my grandma. Um, and <laughs> It was an article about how my, my my aunt and my grandma, we hadn't been talking for quite some time. And uh, and my aunt sent me an email saying, how are you doing? And I just thought, the reason we've pulled apart is because she's a Methodist minister. I consider she's very conservative. My grandma's like, well, she's now at 90. So this is, you know, late 80s at the time. And I just thought, I if I start explaining what I do for a living and why I do it, but we'll, like, it's just going to open a whole bunch of conversations I don't want to have. So we sort of, you know, drifted apart and I thought well the same as selling like maybe I should try being honest with her and saying what I do because all she can do is say oh and shun me away and I've not lost anything because we'd already disconnected anyway so I had done a podcast um about a, a, a huge amount of honesty to come out in this podcast and I said well actually just done this podcast do you want to listen to it and I was like, I can't censor it now. Like, she's just going to have to listen to that podcast and she's going to hear all the things, all the things. So she, and she sent me this email going, oh my God, Kat, that was amazing. I had no idea you felt like this about this. And the thing you said about this was so beautiful. And oh, I saw, I saw this article about people painting their um, stretch marks. Like, so that was, you know, this is really great. And then she's like, you know, I, I feel like you t- with your teaching, is like me um, in the ministry with my people in, when I do my sermon. And it was just like, Oh my gosh! I did not expect, and there was uh, yeah. The next time I went to visit her, I thought this is the first time I've been an adult by myself in her presence. Thought I'd been a child in her presence, where you have to be, you know, behave yourself and all the rest of it. And I'd been an adult around a dinner table where oh, you have to be polite, politely. But I thought if she wants to spend time with me, I can't give her the less than me. And so we've had some amazing like honest conversations and I just feel so much closer to her now and I did not think that would happen I mean you know we are like late late 20s early 30s and I hadn't really spoken to her since I was like 21 so like eight nine years of not really talking and being my honest self like fixed it
0: I think that speaks to the value of candor and I think A lot of times we think of candor as as what we say, but candor goes deeper than that. It also goes into what we don't say, what we withhold, the parts of our life that we keep for the stage rather than allowing them to fully be expressed. So in your coaching, in the work that you do in the workshops, when you're working with someone and you see them withholding, how do you coach someone around how to unveil that, that piece that they're holding back?
1: Um, I very much try to be aware of if I've thrown something at somebody or if they've brought it to the table. So they'll bring in a piece of music and I might go, oh, wow, this piece of music It makes me think of a butterfly and you're flying and maybe you should use some ISIS wings and, and I'll go off on one. And I, I've tried to stop doing that. I'll say, okay, what images, I'll start with what images are coming to you? Where, where, where do you think this is lying? And they'll say, I, may, may, I mean, especially for some people so like, oh my God, I see like a meadow and I see like, um, I don't know, like a small fairy landing in the meadow and whatever. And some people are just like, oh, I'm not sure I'm just not very visual. So I'll have to be like, okay, this is what I see. And I'm not saying you have to do this, but for example, my brain is going that you're the caterpillar and then whatever and then you become the butterfly and they'll go okay it's like no no no, not okay you need to be excited by this idea because if it doesn't excite you you'll be miserable and stay. and some people think just because i gave them the idea that that's the right idea and it's not what's the right idea what fires you up so i then go okay well here okay other things you could do because it's not just the butterfly other things you could do is you're this snarly monster and you come on stage like a snarly monster and you're like you know you're stealing candy from people because you want your candy back like you like, you don't have to be pretty and, and butterfly ass and then it's, it's very much seeing the light that goes oh oh can you do that i thought it was a ballast i thought you had to be rhinestony and fluffy no you you could be the snarly monster you know um so it's, it's really giving a shit about them being happy and not me going, oh, this will look pretty as a student debut, I'll make them do this. Um, I really, and if it takes a lot longer and a lot more exploration, I'd rather them take eight, 10, 12 weeks to get it done than to bash it out in five or six weeks because see people come to class with some pieces of costume and, and they're a bit like, oh, well, I'm doing this because maybe I, I suggested it. Um, so really letting them know that their ideas in the room are okay half of the battle. Um, and when people go crazy idea but i'm like there are no crazy ideas there are no crazy ideas my last act, the last act was in a was in an elephant outfit there are no crazy ideas
0: um,
1: you know I'm that's with,
0: amazing i love it
1: yeah it's it was my favorite thing So i just i've had more um messing around I'm talking about what what is was missing in your life um, when i started it was very powerful powerful hack and then I was like, I just want to be expensive and glittery. And then it was like, I'm spending too much time being expensive and glittery and, and looking good for auditions and stuff. So I just started doing a lot of angry, pouring fake blood on myself, being a werewolf. And now it's just like, I want to have fun. I don't want to laugh at this. I don't need to be, hey, I'm sexy, woo hoo, Because I had a bunch of those acts. Now I'm all like, I'm an elephant. woo uh, and it's just so much fun. I'm just messing around on stage. It's great. And and seeing what I can get away with, I have a I'm doing this pig act coming up that I think and um I don't know if it's going to be funny or offensive or really wrong and I'm sort of just like I don't I'm just going to do it as an experiment let's see what the response is and to me that's fun because it's like a mischievous risk it's like whoo what can I get away with I'm going to try this idea out and if if the audience walk out because it's offensive I'll probably have won (laughs) like yes (laughs) ha, you know um and that, and that's the that's what I want to see in the student is that oh yeah no I could do that oh and I and now when I want to go and buy those boots oh I get to wear a crown oh you know and and that's, yeah seeing that come out of it.
0: so this this idea of experimentation of allowing for that that play I would guess does some of that come from like having failures or major F-ups or mistakes or or messes in the past that you just now have stepped into a place of ownership with? And if so, and even if not so, uh, what would you say is also your absolute favorite failure?
1: <laughs> I guess the failure has to be the, the the setback I talk about in the show because that was such a huge... I built, built, built um, I I worked... I had this job uh, for Masters of Illusion and um, I was almost going to say no and almost going to back out of it. I didn't feel like I had enough time. I didn't feel like I was prepared. And I decided to take the leap and go, no, I'm going to make this, like I said, I'm going to make it my priority. I'm going to make it high stakes. I'm going to agree doing it. and I'm going to do it properly. And I funneled a bunch of money into that. And I spent like two or three weeks solely creating that act and solely working on that act and 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 doing everything like properly and whatever uh and then on the day had an injury and the whole thing just didn't just fell from I'm gonna do all these amazing things oh my gosh oh my god I'm injured I can't do anything I'm now stuck in a uh cast so in terms of rather than me just going oh I went on I went and did a normal gig that I normally do every week and I got injured this was like oh my god I'm doing it Television sh- shooting thingy and oh, and taking risks of this new magical act and and then oh, but so the failure was massive. But also, um, the reason it was my greatest failure is that it was like wow, I've I've now my entire identity as performer creator has changed because I'm now not performing or creating, and I couldn't do my modeling anymore because I was like inactive and putting weight on, and so it was like oh, what what makes me happy? I need to find something else that makes me happy. And so I then funneled everything into expanding all the teaching that I was doing. And it, it takes something like that, I think, to really make you look at what is it that you're doing with your life? And are you choosing to do that? And is something else making you do that? And, you know, what, what, what else would you be doing? You, you find yourself in this rut of, oh, I, I don't know what I do. I get up and do this thing every day and I always check Facebook or I always walk down to the bottom of the road and buy a can of soda or um, oh, I always meet my friend at seven o'clock on a Tuesday night. Is that because it's habit? Is that because you actually enjoy that person's company? Is it because you actually want to drink that item? Whatever it is, you find yourself in this rut. And I had found that I wasn't, I wasn't desperately excited to become a magician. A masters of illusion. I was just like, well, I'm a performer. I've been offered a TV slot. Why would I not take this? This makes sense. But it wasn't in the realm that I wanted to be presented in. So I was going to be a me. I was going to be a mediocre, a mediocre magician. I would mm-hmm. be an next performer. But if that had aired, I, I think that maybe that would have done me bad because there'd been all these com- comments. I like, oh, she's not really a magician. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, so. And, and people have said, oh, we, we need a female magician for this gig, it's gonna be thousands of dollars. Can you learn something really quickly for it? And I'm like, no, because that dangle carrot of money, it's not, <laughs> like we are saying about, oh, here's billions of money, but you have to stop teaching. Uh, no, because I'm gonna be miserable creating this act and I'm gonna be bad at it and it's gonna frustrate me. And then I'm gonna stress out about it and I'll do the job and I'll get paid and I'll think I did a crap job and maybe the employers, I didn't fulfill what they wanted. Uh, So you have to really look, why would I have been doing that? Because of the money. And I I wrote this article as well about the three, having three things, three reasons to do something. Um, Because if the two backup reasons fall apart, then, you know, what if they said, oh, actually, we can't pay you? i had been like, what? No, (laughs) all that wasted effort. So you, I think you need to have, this makes me happy or because this will get me further my career, or this will give me some time out, or this will give me some money or whatever else it is like have your reasons for doing stuff. And so, yeah, that, that failure stopped me and went, can you just revalue everything that you're doing in your life and why you're doing it? And um, now you've got a moment to sit and and figure out what is the next step. Um, I feel like a lot of, I was in a car crash a couple of years ago and um, there's a couple of other things that have been quite, horrendous in my life that happened but they happened at a time when I really need the universe really needed to tell me like stop for a second have a little look at your life (laughs) sort your shit out
0: (laughs) I I love that because your quote-unquote failure of the of the injury it ended up causing creation. And that's that's kind of the, just that, that is the cycle that we see in nature. It's like, you see a massive fire. I mean, hello, we're in LA. Like you see a massive fire. And then the next spring, it's more green than it's ever been because destruction always precedes creativity. As one of my mentors, Joe Polish said, you have to break something in order to break through. And you literally broke something (laughs) like you- (laughs) literally broke something but you had the biggest breakthrough because it allowed you to create this beautiful show that is is truly just I mean you go there and you you watch her and you will learn how to eat fire within the span of five minutes and it's it's astounding so let's get into a little bit of rapid fire questions shall we Kat?
1: I'm not good at rapid fire. I, I talk for so long it's like you have to <laughs>
0: right. Oh, that's fine. That's totally fine. So what is your favorite female character in a movie and why?
1: Oh, I guess it'll have to be Scarlett O'Hara from Gone with the Wind. It was one of the first films I ever saw. I wanted to be her. I wanted to run run around and be pretty in the corsets. But now looking like that was when I was like 6 or 7, but looking back, I think she just survived so much. And she's so strong. And yeah, at the beginning, she's just kind of like, oh my God, the men are all around me. But she's able to have that transition to become, like she turns that power and that strength and that beauty into survival. And she doesn't become, weak. she doesn't become, she doesn't go, she still is that character later on, but she uses it for different purposes. And mm-hmm. she has so much thrown at her, so much thrown at her. And um, and just, even at the end of the day, she's like, tomorrow's another day. And it's just, rah, she's kick
0: (laughs) ass she's 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 quite something she's quite a piece of work uh I I love Scarlett O'Hara the book is even like she has even more thrown at her in the book if you've ever read the book like
1: know that they they had the um the West End show for Hot Second and that was more based on the book I think she has like some kids or something yeah
0: she has like three other kids in the book
1: what i didn't know this part you know
0: they bring up many, like in the in the book i was like oh this is a to- like almost like reading a totally different story even though it followed the same basic storyline um so if, again i'm not good at rapid fire apparently either i
1: was like no I'm <laughs> not
0: <laughs> so if you had to have your success at twice the speed how would you have done it
1: ooh oh wow um, I, I don't know how to answer that question I used to say I wish I'd come to LA earlier but I don't think so I think I needed to be the me I was at that age to come here and thrive I think if I'd come here any earlier I would have still stalled um, I think I would have liked to have had more business coaching earlier on because mm-hmm. I had this class and I was teaching and it was trodling on a bit but I had no idea how, like I had some knowledge of how to promote it and sell it and get the word out there. But I think if I would had help earlier on, uh, of someone who knew what they were doing, Mm -hmm. um, I think once I had the product, getting that out there and getting the word out there and having people know who I was, I think that would have bettered up a little bit longer.
0: If you were a queen of a country, what would be your prime focus? Oh, since you come from the land of the queen
1: i never want to be queen or president of anything i never want to have that much control <laughs> <laughs> ever um what do be my primary focus hmm. oh my gosh but queen of the
0: universe days. um exactly let's pick and one. for those of you who don't know um I met Kat in a pageant, in a beauty pageant that was for charity back in 2014 called the Queen of the Universe. So it's quite apropos. This was
1: also one of the things I signed up for. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll just do this pageant thing. I think my focus would be on like a group acceptance, like all this, oh, like, you know, why are we still fighting? Why are we still in a position where we're still fighting for equality amongst races and genders and... LGBTQ and like why are people still judging other people for the just being they are? It just makes me fucking crazy. Um and I just think, yeah, just equality for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um you know,
0: Amen.
1: I don't know, based on you know who they are at birth, like I can't help if I was born this way. Yep. And let's make you as equal as everybody else then. Yeah.
0: So- so what would you consider to be your kingdom?
1: Hmm. Ooh, in what way? Like, <laughs> like
0: what the king open-ended. <laughs> what is my kingdom? Open to your interpretation and creativity.
1: What does it look like? What does it stand for? I don't know. <laughs> um I guess you might I'm gonna give you a visual, because I like visuals. My kingdom is this little like pocket world. It's like in cupboard and you have to like find it through a little secret doorway. And when you go in, it's like vibrant dreamland where you can be anything. Like as you walk in, you shed your skin at the door and you can then become your own little avatar creature person wearing anything, looking like anything and having any quality. And then you walk in and it's just time starts still and you just, um, everyone loves each other for how amazing they are.
0: I love them. that
1: answer. <laughs> And I love your and no one's jealous of the other person's thing. They just love that they have it. That's oh. that's my kingdom.
0: Awesome. <laughs> if your palace had a swear jar, how much money would you have to put in it daily? Oh, maybe, and how much would you charge yourself?
1: <laughs> I would have to remortgage two houses and sell two livers. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would not be queen anymore if I had a swear jar. I would. I would have been dethroned, and I'd be peasantry. <laughs> my favorite thing and I do it all through the show so if you're offended by swearing you're just gonna have to have
0: suck it up or don't go. don't go but then you'd be missing out on on massive transformation <laughs> which would be sad so what woman would you want to trade places with just for one day
1: oh Gonna say I'm gonna say Sandra Bullock because everyone says that I kind of remind them of her. So I wanna I wanna be the real thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's put you back on that pageant stage that we met on. And uh, what message would you like to share with the world? Oh
1: my gosh. Um just own everything that you are, the good, the bad, and the wobbly. Just Say, yes, I have, yes, I'm amazing because of these reasons. Yes, I have these other things that you consider to be flaws. I'm aware of them because I'm me. Uh, You don't need to tell me that I've got a spot on my face. I know. I looked in the mirror this morning. Um, I am so, so aware of all of my faults and flaws, but I'm amazing anyway, and I'm just going to get on with it.
0: amazing. And last, but not least, certainly not least, how do you crown yourself?
1: Oh, um do, how, what do people do like a word I don't know
0: again open to interpretation yeah. I really like the visual that you painted with king with the kingdom question so
1: how do I crown myself how do you
0: crown yourself darling
1: <laughs> um I feel like I'm on a jet ski no what's the thing where you're behind the someone's pulling you along what's
0: one of those slay
1: <laughs> water but you're not on a jet ski by yourself but you're you're
0: it's- oh, uh, like water skis.
1: Water ski. I'm on a water ski, like this. And I'm just like, there's like wind in my hair like this. And then like a little seagull, two seagulls lower the crown onto my head. And I just go.
0: Wah. This visual is spectacular. <laughs> Uh, so Kat, where can we find you? Where can we see your show? I know you're touring. You're doing some touring dates for your show. So what cities can we find you in and see all the, the amazingness that is Vixen DeVille revealed? I highly, highly, highly recommend you go, not just because you have the opportunity to eat fire and walk on glass, but you have the opportunity to be transformed to see things that you never thought were possible become absolutely possible. So where can we see all this? So
1: check out vixenderville.com. It should have all the information on there. I'm in LA this Sunday, July 7th. I will be coming back August 3rd, September 8th. And that's at the White Fire Theater in Sherman Oaks. On the 28th of July, I'm going to Carson City and I'm launching a, um, it's like a, a fundraiser so that I can provide scholarships to people. I, I've been training online to people in Poland and and, and uh, Switzerland and, and England and Australia. So people who cannot actually train with me can train with me. And so we're raising money to provide uh, that training to people who can't afford it. Um, and then I will be in Indianapolis at the Indie Fringe Festival. I don't know what the name of the venue is. I think it's I Indie Fringe, information is on my website. And then I will be going to Chicago, not with the show, but I'll be in a couple of shows um, doing acts, and I'll be teaching at the Chicago Academy for Um That's July. I'll be teaching on July 20th.
0: That's- oh, my goodness. Kat, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much for putting up with my coughing attacks and totally understanding. <laughs> Just... <laughs> The struggles that come with losing your voice. Everyone, I highly, highly recommend you go check out VixenDeville.com, see the show, follow her, soak up all the inspiration. Because I know this is only just the beginning of what we can expect from the amazing Kat Lacoey AKA Vixen DeVille. Thank you so much for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube and listening, if you're listening to this on the podcast, and as always, remember to own your throne, mind your business and make it rain. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business and life that rules.